0: Well, this is a pretty shonky job. I think I could dismantle this. Yeah, it looks like Beirut to me. Let's get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> oh, Riggs, everybody's outside. Just me, you, and this cat are dumb enough to be down here.
0: Nearly a catastrophe, huh? <laughs> relax, Rod, relax. Right. Don't do nothing. Don't sweat it, Raj. We got nine minutes and seven seconds left. Hey, you know. I'm thinking we should cut the blue wire. Hey, hey, wait, wait, Riggs, wait! What? How can you be so sure? Oh, it's just a hunch. You're playing a hunch! Rog. But you're gonna miss all this good stuff when you retire. But you're gonna miss it a little bit. Huh? <laughs> I'm cutting the See? All Hold on. Yeah. Grab the cat. Grab the cat. Get back! Take that! Grab- ah! Oh, what a foul piece of coal you've given me for Christmas, Will. (laughs) Hey everybody, happy end of the year, happy holidays, and welcome once again to Podcast Part 3, the Part 3 Podcast, your source for all things about movies that come after two other movies. I am Sam. And I am Will. And this week we are talking about 1992's Lethal Weapon 3, the one- no one remembers.
1: <laughs> Apparently, I uh, I had always remembered this as like the best one of the Lethal Weapon movies. Um, I, I, I it is
0: not the best one of the Lethal Weapon movies. <laughs> All right, th- this movie is it's a mess. It really is. It's a mess. But I will say, as a part three in a franchise, it does progress the franchise and expand the characters a little bit. Its heart's in the right place, but that doesn't forgive the fact that they very clearly went into uh, the production with either not a whole script or parts of several scripts or perhaps three random episodes of the Lethal Weapon TV series that wouldn't come out for another 30 years (laughs) just sort of taped together.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, this movie is... It's not a bad movie. Everyone is, uh, no one's, like, bored, like, phoning it in. Everyone's doing top-tier top, top top-tier work, but, uh, it is just all over the fucking place. Like, there is no, like, through-line, the stakes, like, come in and out of the story.
0: Yeah, you uh, don't really get, like, the evil plot uh, until about an hour into the two-hour movie. yeah. I mean, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on the script on this one. This is the first one with no involvement from Shane Black. Uh, right. Uh, it's the—I it's uh, I believe it's Jeffrey Boehm and Robert Mark Kamen. Robert Mark Kamen was the guy that kind of took over for Shane Black on Lethal Weapon 2. Jeffrey Boehm then took over for him. And right. uh, Jeffrey Bohm also wrote, I believe, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. So he's a, yeah. a repeat offender here on uh, <laughs> Podcast Part 3. Uh, and so it is and uh, Carrie Fisher did an uncredited uh, script doctor job on it as well as right, she yeah, did for pretty so much funny. every movie in the 90s as we found out uh, way after the fact
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean and, and this this movie has one of the strangest writing credits I think I've ever seen
0: yeah isn't it like it's written by Jeffrey Bohm and, and Jeffrey Rob- Bohm and Robert Mark Kamen.
1: story by Jeffrey Bohm it is and I looked it up I guess it's he was fired after writing his original like two drafts then was then Robert Mark Kamen was brought in and they didn't like what he was doing so then they put them together and they wrote a draft as a team
0: (laughs) well and apparently a big part of that was Richard Donner who's directed all four lethal weapons Uh, the great Richard Donner rest in peace he uh, wanted to he had a bunch of changes he wanted to make like once they already started production Among other things, uh, he changed, uh, the Rene Russo character into a woman and made her the love interest for Riggs, for Mel Gibson, um but also wanted to sort of downplay the action and focus more on Riggs and Murtaugh's relationship. So really, this movie is kind of a two-hour examination on what I can only describe as the toxic codependency that is Murtaugh and Riggs. One of the, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, unhealthiest buddy cop relationships in cinema. Uh,
1: Yeah, but it, it doesn't really, I mean... It kind of is that, but it doesn't even do that because it... it Well, they don't learn anything. Well, they don't don't learn anything, but it never really explores their dynamic. And it has one scene where they, like, sort of hash it out. But then everything else is surrounded by unending banter. They don't shut up in this movie.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, like, everyone knows kind of the Riggs and Murtaugh relationship. Riggs is the crazy hothead. He's going to run into trouble. He's going to get everyone in trouble. He's going to cause mayhem and chaos. And Murtaugh is his uh, semi-willing partner who is getting too old for this shit, as we all know. Um, I have to ask you, Will, what does Murtaugh get out of this relationship with Riggs? (laughs) Because when Riggs is not almost getting Murtaugh, and often his whole family killed, almost killed, Riggs is... He's he's he comes over to uses their laundry and raid their fridge and uh in and clearly in discarded drafts, fuck Murtaugh's daughter
1: yeah which wisely was removed
0: yes very wisely <laughs> <laughs> but it's you it's it, that was actually a thing and you can see it in this script you yeah. can see the remnants of the uh uh Rianne and Martin Riggs uh relationship.
1: I yeah, I mean so the way that I see it I mean at least in the first movie what's established is that they are sort of yin and yang right they're they're sort of oil and water and they have to come together to solve this absurdly complicated um you know conspiracy theory plot yeah, right and uh, so
0: like like cocaine and porn and ex special forces guys Gary yeah. Busey's there I truly <laughs> truly do not remember the plots of any of these except maybe I don't even remember what the scheme is into. I just remember they're evil apartheid guys, right. and they've and got, they, like, Krugerans di- and stuff. And
1: they've, and they've got diplomatic immunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think what what ultimately it comes down to, I think Riggs— uh, and, Sorry, Murtaugh sees himself as a almost a father figure, to, or like an older brother to Riggs in some ways, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know? The, yeah. And, yeah what it seems like this movie was starting to get to at some point in time and never bothers doing it because it doesn't want to dramatize any of its drama, but um, is that it was going to make Murta- Murtaug and Riggs sort of flip where Riggs was, had to be the adult in the relationship and sort of pull Murtaugh out of some spiral, um, which I found sort of an interesting dynamic and probably the only way you could push that relationship forward. The thing is, is that this movie doesn't care and doesn't bother sort of, exploring that in any real way
0: yeah and there was also the angle of murtaugh is you know eight days from retirement six days from retirement three days from retirement uh and riggs i think is kind of afraid of losing this one person that keeps him centered and yeah, like there's one point where he says like you know i think riggs says something to the effect of like you know Uh, Murtaugh makes some joke about like you're gonna laugh about me to all your friends and Riggs says I don't have any other friends yeah and but then he finds uh Lorna he finds Rene Russo and I think it might be sort of about Riggs letting go a little bit and sort of being able to stand uh, like move on from his past trauma and move on from his dependency on sort of the stability of Murtaugh's life yeah they don't they don't commit to any of this except that he you know this is the one time where Rigg's love interest survives until the end of the movie <laughs> Yeah, because
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, in the first one, his wife has recently died and, uh, and then the second one he, he sleeps with one of the bad people. He, she, right? she, he
0: sleeps with like the secretary at the South African right. consulate and then right. she's murdered right. by and then also in that one it's revealed that like the one of the main bad guys in that is actually responsible for the death of uh, his wife oh shit i forgot that yeah it's it's a little like wedged in but it gives it all a little more stakes because also Riggs was supposed to die at the end of lethal weapon too right right which is so
1: obvious that they changed that
0: yeah
1: i I mean there's obvious
0: like there are obvious the only one of these that feels like a fully formed script is the first movie because that was (laughs) like shane black's calling card in hollywood for a while and it was also intended to be a much darker movie he wanted to make a basically his dirty harry and it wisely became a buddy comedy yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. but it's just uh, in this
0: one when you take away when it when it feels so choppy a it makes Riggs just seem like the R- Riggs should have should not have been a cop again after the first 10 minutes of this movie yeah exactly they It get... dovetails from being like the hothead <laughs> who runs in runs in where everyone else is running away to being just a full-on fucking idiot yeah. Like, he gets that, it, he, they, there's an amazing explosion in the first ten minutes, and it's all his fault. And the whole movie plays is like, uh-oh, Riggs has done it again. <laughs> Look what he's done, to, he and Murtaugh are now on patrol. It's yeah. like, no, Riggs should have been fired, and po- probably prosecuted, and Murtaugh should have just been told by Captain Murphy, you're, re- you're retiring Retirement now. Retirement has you're reti- reti- now, you're retiring now. Yes. Retirement starts now, like, you're done. Like, just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's almost... Oh, like and the, the movie- on the first day they're on patrol, uh, they uh, one of the first things Riggs does is pull a gun on a civilian for fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, this uh, this movie is, uh, I mean, not intending to, because it's just sort of intending to be a lark, but, like, it's very much uh, icky uh, in the way that it, uh, it treats the police.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's... I, I i don't know i guess i should i i guess um i should ask like what where did when did you first did you were you a big lethal weapon guy i mean obviously you were clearly coming at this franchise wrong thinking this one was the best one <laughs> well but. i mean
1: i thought it was the best of the sequels i always loved the first one i saw these movies i actually know i've only seen lethal weapon and lethal weapon 3 when i was like eight or nine um uh and i i just thought they were so cool and so fun um it wasn't until like high school i think that i saw lethal weapon 2 finally and i can't remember why uh maybe the video store where i got these didn't have lethal weapon Two or something i, I think i
0: must have gotten into them after i saw die hard because they're all yeah. kind of a, they're all in the joel silver family but right. i got I, I, I never had the love for them that other people did and i just if i have to be honest i don't think any of them hold a candle to die hard no and and i mean i think now
1: coming at this as not being like a kid um Die Hard is just a superior movie all around because the the plot of Lethal Weapon of that first Lethal Weapon is so crazy and complicated. Yeah, it's like all over the place, and and you have to like they have to go through so many hoops just to solve the mystery. And aside from like really great action, and you know Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are great in that movie. Just and their banter and their chemistry is awesome, but it's just the 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 overarching movie is not as good as Die Hard.
0: Also, Die Hard is kind of not really until Die Hard with a Vengeance, which we've talked about. That's the first one where it feels like a cop movie. The first right. two, he could be anybody. Right. You know, and that's and, kind of what it, What he, John McClane was kind of meant as a counter to, you know, your big beefcake. Arnold Schwarzenegger type heroes of the 80s.
1: And Lethal the Lethal Weapon movies are more explicitly comedic than the Die Hard. The Die, die Hard movies have jokes, but the, it's not as like this is a comedy. Like the Lethal Weapon movies are very comedic in the way that they're structured and put together. And this movie in particular almost feels like it comes this close to being sort of like a Hot Fuzz meta commentary on the genre. But it doesn't. It just never commits to being the comedy that it kind of wants to be.
0: It lacks some of the core stuff that made the first two memorable. Like, there's... You don't really spend a lot of time... He doesn't. They don't really spend a lot of time with, like, the other cops or the captain yeah. or even with Murtaugh's family. It's really just the two of them and Rene Russo. And Rene Russo's great. She's the best part yeah. of this movie. She is. Like, they yeah. gave... They, they gave Riggs someone that is like a, a, a foil that can give as good as they get. And, yeah. you know, I don't I think that she's not, she's not as exasperated or impressed by him as Murtaugh. And yeah. that's why, you know, they work so well as a pair. And it's a shame that she didn't get to do much in Lethal Weapon 4 because the character's pregnant the whole time. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> but so this is kind of this is kind of her her one and done, uh, you know, adventure with them. But also the big problem is the villain is so forgettable. So
1: boring. He's so boring.
0: The first movie, you've got Gary Busey. The second movie, you've got uh, Joss Ackland, and you've got the diplomatic immunity stuff. And the fourth movie, which is problematic, uh, but it has (laughs) Jet Li as one of the villains. You know, you can't really... A little Jet Li goes a long way. This one has um, Stuart Wilson as... uh, Re- renegade, ro- not even renegade, just dirty ex-cop and all-around bad person. Uh, Jack Travis, played by Stuart Wilson, in one of like what I can only describe as the quintessential British guy playing an American cop <laughs> performance. And uh, he's he's like he was uh, the villain in Ma- Ma- uh, Mask of Zorro, yep. and uh, we'll probably see him again someday because he's one of the villains in uh, Ninja Turtles Three Turtles, yeah, exactly. Turtles yeah. in Time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's in Hot Fuzz as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think he's think the doctor right.
0: in Hot Fuzz. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, he is.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's so funny because the tone of this movie is so, like, overheated and overcranked and, like, never settles down. Except when he comes on screen and everything just sort of is like oh,
0: okay. Well his basic his basic hook is kind of the same as like Dennis Hopper in Speed. You know, he's right. like you'd be a cop for all these years and what do you get? You get a you get nothing. You don't get you get a retirement and a funeral and nothing. So I'm doing something else, but he doesn't have like a an evil uh, plot like De- dennis hopper dennis hopper had panache you know he's like i put a bomb on a bus this guy's just like i figured i had to steal shit from the evidence locker and, and sell and it th- on the streets and
1: sell it on the street and then also i have these armor piercing bullets that kind yeah. of matter and kind of don't well they they, they, <laughs> they set them up early <laughs>
0: and uh it's it's checkoffs armored piercing gun <laughs> it pays off it he's undone by his own armor piercing bullets yeah, in the end it's just, oh but, God. but this is the problem there's like there's a mat to me there's just like a huge logic problem with the script which i'm guessing is like chunks of this script got moved around yeah. and, it, and it ended up with the story all out of order the first time you see this guy the first time the villain the heroes learn about jack travis the villain is when they have him on camera dead to rights murdering a man in the police station and then the rest of the movie is investigating him like yeah, they know who he is they know he's out there they have cold hard evidence of him murdering someone and and, and it's as far as i can tell the rest of the movie is just these three detectives hunting trying, him down trying
1: to get him like yeah.
0: shouldn't the entire LAPD be mobilized to find this guy <laughs> Like it's 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 it feels like it's like backwards in a way. <laughs>
1: yeah, and the, that that uh, interrogation scene is so funny when they're like, "We have video evidence of him," and Riggs and Murtaugh are like, "Really?" And then it's like, "Yeah, we put in video cameras in all our in all our interrogation rooms," and then they pull out the footage, and it's just the footage from the scene where they killed the guy. It's like, oh my God, are you kidding me?
0: It's, it's, I love, I love, uh, it's, <laughs> it's such a, a movie trope it. of it's when so your amazing. security footage is just scenes from earlier the in the movie, like, uh, Star Trek four, the security footage from the enterprise is just shots from Star Trek three. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You know, obviously like they don't trust Lorna cause she's internal affairs and, I wonder if there was an angle of, like, we can't trust... At one point, it was like, maybe if he was a dirty cop, there's other cops on the force that might be working with him, and we don't know who to trust. But as far as I can tell, no one's on this guy's side. He works only with ex-cons, and he's funneling weapons out into the street. He's not, like, the Punisher, where cops might kind of like him and want to help him. He's not the Boondock Saints. He's just... (laughs) (laughs) He's just some asshole. And the movie is like the climax of the movie is just the three of them taking him and all his goons on. It's like I get that these are like high octane action movies that aren't 100% grounded in reality, but like in the first two movies they justify the reasons why it's got to come down to, like, Murtaugh and Riggs versus the bad guys. Like, right, in the second yeah. one, the bad guys have diplomatic immunity, but they still kill everyone else on their squad. Like, they kill all the Marines from Aliens that are also the cops <laughs> and <laughs> right. Lethal weapons too. <laughs> they kill Jeanette Goldstein. Right, but, uh, right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, the, the L.A. Uh, seems, like, very, like, not populated by people and it's populated
0: a, by uh, you know
1: a, a random film set
0: yeah <laughs> Ran, a random film set uh one gang that is populated entirely by Murtaugh's son's friends <laughs> and uh and like uh, you know it's it's like um it's like they've condensed down the city into just a grand theft auto map like that motorcycle chase is somehow in downtown lax and on the freeway all at once <laughs> oh so, well i mean
1: the 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 la geography of all these movies is so like screwy i don't there's like one point where Riggs in the first movie is like running down highland avenue and then ends up in like toluca lake yeah <laughs> and <laughs> and
0: the and the murtaws i think just live on the warner brothers lot because i don't think there's a <laughs> suburb in la that looks like, <laughs> it's that.
1: like that
0: no it's, <laughs> it's suddenly they're in like you know haddonfield
1: yeah exactly i, I mean there, there are moments in this that I think are, are genuinely funny. Like, I think it's really funny to have an action hero in one of these movies trying to sell his house but he can't because so many action stuff like movie stuff has yeah. happened to
0: it. Yeah, no, but, it's like, all there's like there's all these ideas and they clearly yeah. just kind of threw anything in where they could fill scenes. Yeah. Like, but nothing feels like fleshed out in, in any way. Like, well, like, and
1: there, yeah, there's no it's nothing's fleshed out. There's no like through line. There's no like and, and because the bad guy is so, just such a, like, a black hole of, like, anything happening, and his plan doesn't need to be investigated like the first two movies where they sort of need to do detective work to sort of figure out the complicated plot. Or figure just, out how
0: to work outside the lines to stop him. Right. You know, they or, gotta or, go rogue. There's no need for them to go rogue. They don't have to be, Riggs doesn't <laughs> need to be Riggs at the no. end of this. They, he, the guy literally kidnaps their captain, <laughs> and holds him at gunpoint, yet it's still like never at any point is the entire Los Angeles Police Department mobilized.
1: No. and it, and it, it feels like they should have been. Or not to something. mention
0: when they have that evidence. All oh, the first time they encountered Jack Travis, they've got the evidence of him killing someone in the police station on camera. And the fur and and Travis doesn't know. Right. And the yeah. first thing they do is go to the King's game and just <laughs> blab that they know about him and tip him off. And it's <laughs> just like it's it's like the You know what it it feels like the worst uh like Bond plots where yeah. James Bond Can't like he's supposed to be undercover, but he gives himself up at the first poker game, (laughs) and and there's many times where you think they could call in a couple other double O's, and they don't. (laughs) It's just James and whatever girl he's got at any given moment. (laughs) It's like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, yeah. That hockey scene was is like so. I mean, the action's pretty good in this. I mean, it's Richard Donner
0: is no, like, slouch in that department, but it's just kind of like... It's, it's not memorable. Honestly, no. though, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think of, like, the action in any of the lethal weapons as really being the highlight. It's all very, like... Yeah. It's just sort of, like, chaos, uh, and the me- the memorable stuff is the characters. It's, it's the yeah. relationship between Murtaugh and Riggs. And... Uh, it's just it's, there's so many different like unfinished threads of stories going on in this one, yeah. and the only one that feels like it's a real follow through is the romance plot with right. uh with Riggs and Lorna and their sexy homage to Jaws. Jaws, yeah,
1: it yeah, it's the only part that that really does have like a beginning, middle, and end, and and uh, and. Everything else you know including Murtagh killing one of his son's friends yeah and they have to and, and and they have to go to the funeral and it all just that all feels like something out of a 90s after school special did, like oh have stuff. to
0: go to that funeral <laughs> I feel like maybe they could have waited until after the stereotypical 80s funeral <laughs> to go and talk to the parents like not right when they're walking away from like their son's casket you take care of the
1: man who did this. The <laughs> man who put the, the gun, in my, put baby's the gun in my
0: son's hand.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Ugh. I
0: mean, Riggs has no redeeming qualities to me, except that he, he's a dog person. That's the only one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where it, the, in the first movie, you sort of think like he's kind of, he works through his trauma a little bit and becomes like a, fuller person through the experience and becoming friends with Murtaug. it's just kind of you get to this point and nothing has changed about him he's still sort of nuts and still like doing things just sort of following his id you know and not kind of like yeah. thinking things through and he doesn't and get I- enough
0: of those moments where he suddenly like you know he shows how competent he is and how right. smart he is in this he's just like I'm going to just be crazy, you know? I'm just
1: the loose cannon, and that's yeah. why I think it would have been better had their roles flipped a little bit. Had, like, you had, if you had the shooting of the, the you know, Murtog's son's friend earlier, and that sent Murtog into, like, the spiral of, I'm getting old, and, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm right for this world or something, and then Riggs has to be the adult in the room. I think that would have been an interesting flip yeah. on their dynamic. It,
0: I think showing that, and then, and then... It kind of like letting them both like sort of you know real, realize that they they need each other in a healthy way
1: as yeah, opposed exactly. to like,
0: the movie where it feels just like really like y- Murtaugh should retire and Riggs <laughs> should move on to someone else because they're not good for each other.
1: Yeah, or or yeah, or they just realize that they should be friends and not like work partner. I don't know. It just you know, or maybe they should realize that they should just kiss and and that's what they needed to be doing. I don't know. Yeah, I. <laughs> There's a lot of gay panic in this movie too, which is really Not as much strange. as I
0: would have, I would have thought though. Yeah. I, it's not it's not Tango and Cash. No, uh, no. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not. There's a little like um yeah, like Leo has one line. like hey, I got the earring, but don't get the wrong idea. You know, yeah. It's like <laughs> Why is Joe Pesci in this movie? Yeah, there's no reason for that. Him was to that be was here. just like the people liked him in the second movie, and yeah. then I think in the interim, Home Alone came out. Yeah, so he's yeah. on the fucking poster. Yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> 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 not you,
0: Rene Russo. You actual character, Joe Pesci,
1: who has all of like three scenes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, this is the poster where there's. Uh, they both have guns because yeah. every poster's yeah. different. First one, Murtaugh's got a gun. Second one, Riggs has a gun. Third one, they both have guns. Fourth one, no one has guns. <laughs> well, the
1: fourth one is just like everyone kind of standing around. If I well, it's because it's right? it's the gangs
0: all here. It's right. got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's J- Chris Rock, Joe Pesci, <laughs> uh, Rene Russo, and Jet Li all get crammed into the poster as well.
1: I don't remember a single damn thing about Lethal Weapon 4. I saw it. I don't remember anything about it. I... There's a jetpack in the beginning, isn't there?
0: not a jet, well, no. Uh, yes, the fourth movie starts with them basically fighting, like, a comic book supervillain. He's got, like, the flamethrower, right. and he's got, like, a mask, he's, like, wearing, like, a mask, and a flamethrower, and a machine gun, and it's, uh, Riggs shoots the tank on his back, oh, and the guy it. goes yeah, flying. Yeah. It's not, at, like, not an actual jetpack, jet it's pack. A, <laughs> uh, an end-of-the-rocketeer situation. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then the rest of the movie is something uh, involving money laundering and like the Chinese mafia, right. and it, it involves a lot of like very some Asian stereotypes and rigs, really, really, big-
1: really bad like Chinese jokes. From yeah, rigs, rigs right?
0: yeah. baiting uh, Jet Li by like. Hurling Chinese slurs at him, it's it's not it's not great. It's not. I can't imagine it holds up well. I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just like people watched it because uh, it was like the the new lethal weapon, but also it was like I think a lot of people's first entree into uh, Jet Li at the yeah. time. Yeah. But there's much better Jet Li movies out there now. <laughs> And at the time, when even
1: his American movies that he started making around that time were better than that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Romeo Must Die. Did you see Romeo Must oh, Die? Oh, I've seen I Romeo Must Die <laughs> for sure. Yeah.
0: There was um, was it Kiss of the Dragon with him? Kiss and of the Bri- Dragon. Him and Bridget Fonda.
1: Was Jason Statham also in that one? He was in a bunch of those yeah. Well, too. that's like
0: the pre-Transporter Jason Statham, who was kind of riding on his Guy Ritchie movies, but yeah. he was like. Uh, you know he was he was never like the bad like the main badass no he was just no. like a he was a british dude with a good look you know
1: <laughs> yeah but he was always like a cop in those movies uh kiss of the dragon he's also in the one
0: yes the, he, yeah, that's right Gen- he is in the one yes the jet lee <laughs> matrix uh rip off
1: <laughs> yeah it did multiverses before it was cool.
0: Yeah, he hits a guy with a motorcycle, like just He hits blocks.
1: himself with a motorcycle. I haven't He fights seen
0: himself. I all I remember is the trailer where there's the bullet coming towards him and he blocks it with his own gun. That's all I remember. <laughs> That's it. It was one of the trailers on my DVD of Black Hawk Down. <laughs> that and Spider-Man. Neither of which tonally set the table for very well for Black Hawk Down. <laughs> we got to move these DVDs somehow. I don't know, man. I think people are going to buy your DVD of Spider-Man. I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I this movie is, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's just, it's a mess. It's, it's a worthy Lethal Weapon 3 sequel. I think if they'd just gone into it with a script on the level of the first two, it would be fine. Probably fine, yeah. It's just clearly one of those ones where it's like, Because they didn't have a script, they clearly were ad-libbing a lot, and that just means two characters all shouting over each other, and it makes you want to just, like, slap them, like, shut up. And giving scenes, like, no drive or momentum. They just sort of, like, run in place for a long time, and then kind of end. There's, like, a scene very close to the end of the movie where it's just everything kind of stops, and it's the... The armored truck lady showing up, oh, God, yeah, follow, and and the followed by like the roundhouse kick, and then Leo shows up again, and it's just yeah. like kind of them just like hanging out in the police station for like ten minutes, yeah. And it's and clearly d- just it's either like stuff that meant, meant was meant to be earlier in the movie or just padding. It's like we need yeah. to we need to pad this out
1: more bits more bits. There's even a bit over the op- over the ending credits
0: too. Yeah, that's just, true. Like, yeah, just bits. It blew up another building. Oh. <laughs> a movie like this the bits only work if there's something propulsive behind them and the problem yeah. is the plot in this one doesn't have the momentum or the 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 flare of the first two
1: yeah or just, like, you want at least some sort of meat on the bone of, like, a—of an investigation, of them learning something. of the, But by the—you know, but like you say, when—once they know who the bad guy is, which happens basically in the first act, and there's no reason for them to do any more investigation after that.
0: No! It's the thing. It was <laughs> bugging me this whole time. I was like, you— what, what are you investigating? Arrest this man. You got him. You got, like, evidence that it takes a whole fucking season of The Wire to get, if they get it at all. This guy, this has been laid out for you. It's an open and shut case. Arrest him, then find out his, uh, you know, evil plot.
1: Right, exactly. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like he needed to be Dennis Hopper in speed with some, like, ludicrous plot of, like, blowing up buses or whatever. Yeah,
0: but... there's no, um... This movie doesn't. None of the lethal weapons really have that. The the villain has like a very active agenda. Yeah. it's kind of they're just being evil, and they <laughs> yeah. run afoul of Riggs and Murtaugh, and it becomes like the they sort of lock horns. It's not like Die Hard or Speed where there's kind of a ticking clock to it all. Right. Yeah. Also, and- in this one, they don't even they they don't uh, Riggs and Murtaugh and Jack Travis aren't on screen together until the climax at the very end yeah Yeah, they don't actually like it's it's like jack travis has his whole monologue about what his motivations are to the captain you know independent of them
1: (laughs) yeah it's just it's all over the place i mean again it's not it's not a bad movie every it's not like the part threes that we've 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 done where everyone's tired and clearly would rather be doing other things. And like, it's a contractual obligation. Everyone seems to come to play. Everyone yeah. seems to want to like be, be here. It just, it's just the script doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then it's, and it's also like, it's, it's disappointing because I get the sense that they only made lethal weapon four because they didn't want to end on lethal weapon three. Cause it's like, that one's like five years later. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's after like right after this is when mel gibson like kind starts of moves his... away from this kind of stuff he he did he after this i feel like right around this is when he did his hamlet and yep. uh yeah. he did yeah. um and then like Bravehearts in 95 that's like yeah. 3 years later so and then after that it's yeah he starts moving
1: i mean i had i saw maybe it was a documentary or read an article about it wasn't about Lethal Weapon but it was about sort of the one for them one for you one for me and it was like okay Mel Gibson you can do your Hamlet with Franco Zeffirelli but you gotta do Lethal Weapon 3 for us
0: (laughs) yeah like Lethal Weapon was kind of what moved him up into the mainstream because before that he had done he'd done The Bounty he'd done Year of Living Dangerously he was you know He was a bit of, like, an internet... He'd done Gallipoli. uh, You know, he'd done his Peter Weir stuff, which is all great. Um, And then this is what made him a mainstream movie star. Uh, Yeah, a mega movie star. For the next, you know, 15, 20 years until... past christ and, and his his issues.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean and then it's like yeah, you're like you're saying right after this he started directing and that was sort of like became like directing and acting at well, the Well, and same not just directing,
0: and... directing and winning best picture. Like right. like yeah, Braveheart I mean... was just such a gear shift for him.
1: Yeah, it was yeah, it was directing mega prestige movies <laughs> and
0: box office hits, you yeah. know, like yeah. it's it's like if he—it's like Avatar, basically, but with you know kilts instead of cat people. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and that's and and also he was like kind of a sex symbol. He was like yeah. like women yeah. loved Mel Gibson. He was you know <laughs> he was like right up there with Brad Pitt and uh, you know who else? What else? What else? What what, what do women want? <laughs> I, I <laughs> well, he was in that movie. He was in that movie. <laughs>
1: That was when his star started to wane, though. Like, was when he started doing that. I mean, then he was like, "I'm making Passion of the Christ." So he
0: didn't sort of
1: into this like. uh, Well, he didn't age into like.
0: He was never self aware enough. Like, he didn't age into being like a handsome, funny, older dude like Clooney's done. Like Clooney's, you know, Clooney directs, but Clooney also is like, I'm not above doing like a ticket to paradise where I'm like just the dad. Now you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the dad who's divorced me and, and Julia Roberts can get this movie, make this movie in Hawaii. It, Mel Gibson <laughs> never, he was, he was always like, I'm handsome. I'm a leading man. I'm the war hero. I'm, you know, and then instead of, you know, becoming self-aware and aging into a different type of role, he just became a fucking anti-Semite, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. we're we're, we're kind of glossing over it, but it, it it needs to be said. It it's it's just it's unacceptable the things he said, and it's it's we're living now in an age where shit like that gets said by highly influential people, and morons on the internet take it as gospel or as edgy humor or freedom of speech, and it's not cool. It's not okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. It, it 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 it's. If you are using anti-Semitism because it thinks it, you think it makes you edgy or rebellious or uh, cool or just because you are an anti-Semite, you suck. It's it's just it's this is this has been a cancer on humanity for years, and there's nothing Mel Gibson's done in his career that makes those things he did and the things he said okay and yeah. you know it's yeah. just i'm just going to leave it at that like we're all here having a good time talking about lethal weapon 3 but <laughs> it needs to be said because it's it's just not cool it's not good it is a bad thing and i i hate that we work in an industry or we work in a craft where acting like that or just acting like an abusive asshole somehow is justified by the work you're doing yeah and you know i don't care if it's Stanley Kubrick being ver- verbally abusive to people, or Mel Gibson being like a, a misogynist, anti-Semitic monster, it, it's it's not an acceptable way to act as a person.
1: Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. There's nothing, nothing in the work deserves that level of anything. You yeah, know, it's the the job. You know, it's just unprofessional. That's what I think. Yeah, and it's just, and you know? obviously
0: Mel Gibson is an extreme example. Yeah. But it is just like we. How many times have you and I worked with people that are just raging lunatics on one level or another, and it's and all that for making we're making a TV show or we're yeah. making a movie. Look, it fucking happened again when they made the Lethal Weapon TV series with that other guy. Like <laughs> you know, it's like Jesus.
1: Yeah, that's right. i have forgotten that. Yeah, I mean and, and yeah, it is. It's like we're we're only we're only trying to entertain people here. Why why are you acting like this? And and what what frustrated me at being in in positions like that is how management never really like bothered to step in and it was clear they knew, but never like bothered to step in until every until it was too horrible to not do, you know.
0: No, because protecting the bottom line means not wanting to hear about that behavior, not Trying to discourage it or stop it or protect yeah. the it's people a, <laughs> on the lower levels.
1: Right. It's just ignoring it until it really does become a problem you can't ignore. Yeah. It's just. You know, and horrible,
0: then, you horrible. know, <laughs> it's not just, you know, the bad person's career that suffers. It's all the other people involved in a production or all the other people involved in a TV show who lose their jobs or, right. you know, lose out on opportunities to work because of this person's behavior. It's. Yeah. And I don't, I don't yeah. care. And like I said, I don't care if it's. It's, you know, like, anti-Semitism is a huge problem in this in this world, in the world, and in this country, and uh, with us as a species, uh, yeah. and that's an extreme example. But it all ties back to, it's just like, just, you know, you, 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 it is possible to get through your day without creating enemies for yourself to justify what a piece of shit you are. Yeah, yeah. It's well not said. hard. And if doing <laughs> that means you don't get to be on the level of a Mel Gibson or a Kanye West, it just means you're an ordinary person. That's okay. Yep. Because being a great person has nothing to do with power or status, it has everything to do with how you treat other people and how you're seen by other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> fucking movie will
1: Fuck. i'm sorry i didn't want it to bring up this much stuff I'm i sorry. i know i
0: know but mad max beyond thunderdome is like well there's
1: more to there's more to talk about well it's that, the thing is that we know? didn't
0: talk about this with mad max beyond thunderdome because i think also uh it's it that mel your, mel gibson is less essential to like the the, the gumbo that is the mad max <laughs> franchise and well, I actually genuinely believe you could recast uh, Murtaugh and Riggs with new actors and keep that energy going because they've become a very classic dynamic in, like, buddy yeah. cop movies. Uh, these, you know, they have not done that in a way that's moved the franchise past the original cast.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's I like mean, Mel, I... Gib-
0: Mel Gibson. This is the most iconic Mel Gibson performance, in my opinion.
1: I, yeah, I think that's true. Actually, yeah. somebody, uh, somebody I knew once said... um, that the Mel Gibson's best performance of Hamlet was in the First Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mel Which Gibson's you... be, Mel Gibson's best acting is the 20 some odd years where he uh, had to go out into the real world and not act like Riggs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think,
1: um, and I think the only reason they're making another a Lethal Weapon five or trying to—I mean, they've been trying to for a while. It seems like they can't quite get it off the ground. Um, is just nostalgia. I mean, it's just yeah. IP mining and nostalgia. Oh purposes. yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. You it's know. everyone's still alive. You know, yep. whatever. Vaya con Dios. You know, <laughs> it's, it's 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 a shame that they couldn't do it while Richard Donner was still with us because uh, yeah. he. As a director, he made so many great movies. Like he's one of those like quintessential just working dudes. Like, and the stuff he made is just all so different from each from each other. Like, you wouldn't look at these movies and say, "Oh, from the director of Superman the motion picture," you know, or or
1: The Omen, like or The Omen, yeah, or Lady
0: (laughs) Hawk, you know.
1: Or the Goonies, like it's it's uh, it's crazy. It's
0: because the... yeah, it's you keep remembering. It's like, oh right, he did Maverick. Oh right, he did Goonies. <laughs> All right, it's like he's he's everywhere. Yeah, Uh yeah, like what a career. And then like he also he had his production arm. Like he and Laura Shuler Donner got the X Men franchise off yeah. the ground. Like yeah, good for him. Like that's that's the takeaway. It's like yeah. We don't need to we don't need to make this all about Mel Gibson because there's a lot of other talented people involved in this franchise. Like this franchise wouldn't be possible without Shane Black and Danny Glover and Michael Kamen's score and right. Richard Donner's directing and Joel Silver as a producer. It's it and that's the I think that's one of the reasons why I when we were leading up to this one, again, I don't know why I didn't have these misgivings with Mad Max. I think it's more with cuz this one's more mel forward if you will uh but it's i do also believe that just because work is is features problematic people a lot of a lot of work goes in around those problematic people and behind the scenes to make something happen like jk rowling is a reprehensible transphobic pos but a lot of people went into making the harry potter movies and a yeah. lot of talented actors and a lot of talented crafts uh, people made those films. So you th- they can still stand on their own. You don't have to, like, you have to reckon with those problematic elements, but you also have to, uh, you know, acknowledge the, all the other work all that the went other into
1: people. it. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's kind of a lot of, I mean, you know, the Harvey Weinstein stuff is sort of the, a big example of this too where you like look at a lot of those movies which a lot of the the movies that he produced i genuinely love and you kind of have to think well okay uh, what was the monster that put this together and and produced these movies and and uh you know you kind of have to reckon with that but then you you also think well a bunch of other people really talented people you know worked on those worked hard on those to make them what they are
0: yeah you know i mean it's Are you gonna stop watching The Naked Gun because O.J. Simpson's in it?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, we are coming up on our final uh, episode of the year, last one, and I think it's my turn to pick. It is. Speaking of movies starring difficult folks, uh, (laughs) I uh, I realized I didn't even realize this was a part three at first, and I've never seen it. But I figure, what better time than the holidays to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation?
1: Nice. I I haven't seen this since I was, like, a kid. Will, I
0: I haven't seen it at all.
1: Oh. Have you seen any of them?
0: I've seen Vacation. Uh, I may have seen Vegas Vacation on TV at one point. I've never seen European Vacation. But obviously, like, Vacation and Christmas Vacation are, like, the beloved ones.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen Vacation all the way through. I definitely haven't seen European Vacation all the way through. I did see Vegas Vacation on a plane, so, you know.
0: And then there's the—I re. I haven't seen the remake. We I didn't know. see the remake either. But it's—yeah, um, uh, yeah, It's uh, we're going to go into uh, National Lampoon world and uh, the, the mm-hmm. world of that brief, shining, let's say, 13 years where Chevy Chase was making really funny stuff. <laughs> and uh and this might have been like kind of the last hurrah uh, for him before uh i don't know what, what was the turning point nothing but trouble yeah i mean well that was yeah um where <laughs> <laughs> the back pills finally really kicked in
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't I, you know a lot of chevy chase's career i don't really know all that well um, well because
0: he's so. you know he was on snl uh right for one season in the 70s uh and then he's <laughs> He's got Caddyshack. He's got yeah. uh, Fletch. Uh, he's got like uh, uh, all this stuff is in the eighties. Vacations in the eighties. Yeah. You know, it's it's just like the uh, uh, Three Amigos. Uh, right. You know, yeah. so he's like he. You had a ton of funny stuff, and then I just uh, like a lot of like like the Lethal Weapon franchise. There's just stuff that was so quintessentially eighties, and the moment the nineties rolled around, it just kind of lost all its vibrance. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as comedy, I think is, is hard to sort of keep fresh. And I think, uh, you know, with changing times and not necessarily social mores, but that I think plays a part of it too. But just like the tastes of the culture change. And I think it's hard to sort of keep that energy and momentum going. Well, that's why comedy
0: franchises are so hard. Really hard. Yeah. there's a handful of comedy part threes and I, a lot of them I kind of dread because comedy <laughs> sequels tend to be not very good.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, and and most of the time, the comedy sequels are just sort of, well, let's shit something out as fast as possible so we can cash in well, on Well, let's,
0: let's, let's do all the bits everyone or liked do the everything first over time again. around. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's or what, it, what like say Austin Powers, like what's the stuff we didn't homage in the first one that we can right. homage now?
1: Yeah, but then but then also recycle all the jokes that we you know that we did in the first one that everyone loved exactly quotes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we'll get to that one eventually right uh, gold
0: member oh for yeah. sure yeah so I think uh, Beyonce is only part three <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but yeah I mean but so much of those I like that that tone and that um, style I mean. Like, I think about the, you know, the Zucker Brothers uh, and Airplane, and, like, they managed to sort of get their style to to get to kind of push into the 90s, and then once kind of the 2000s rolled around, it, it, they tried it with the scary movie stuff, and it kind of worked, but yeah. not really.
0: Well, it's also, know? Airplane is... it's It's an homage that's more famous than the movie it's referencing to. Right, yeah. Whereas... You know, in the same sense that, like, when when something's a parody that that surpasses whatever it's you know uh, it's a reference to, like, Spinal Tap, or yeah. you know, on a certain level, Austin Powers kind of works this way. Austin Powers kind of rendered James Bond a little bit irrelevant for a while. <laughs> you know, it, it, I think that's when those movies stand the test of time, and like, Airplane probably holds up way better than Airport ever did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But yeah, when it's when it becomes like, "Oh, we're going to reference all this stuff that is already exceedingly popular." It right. just kind of feels like it feel and also in an era where Family Guy can do that better on a half an hour basis every right. week, you know, it's it, it it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. And also, <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that makes um the as far as National Lampoon movies go, I think the thing that makes the vacation movies work is that they're not an homage; to, they're not a parody to anything. Right? It's it's, it's, it's... like the the Griswolds are a pretty well drawn set of comedic characters, you know. Right. And it's 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 Clark Griswold and Beverly D'Angelo and Cousin Eddie and all of that. So yeah, no,
1: exactly. I mean, I, I think that yeah. I mean, I, I, our I think our comedic. Uh, instincts sort of tend more towards character-driven comedy anyway well um, i
0: i will say that i i love absurdist comedy but it's yeah. that thing of um i hate when a movie asks you to laugh and right. i think the beauty yeah. of airplane national uh airplane caddyshack uh vacation uh hot shots those movies is that they do it all with a straight face right like they yeah. take themselves very seriously the the visual humor never comes at the expense of the story and the characters they right. they're constructed and they're paced in a way where that works really well
1: right they feel like real movies they don't feel i mean like they feel like real movies just with like like a mad magazine you know with like weird jokes in the margins and all this stuff but they they feel they are structured like a real movie and tell yeah. a whole story.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's very few movies these days that have that tone. Still, it's it's yeah. it's kind of fallen out of fashion because it's also it's hard to do, it's easy to do. It's very hard to do, do well. well. Yeah, and that's why you know you had all the 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 knockoff scary movie when you had date movie and superhero movie and right. meet the Spartans and all of those that came out that just were just cranking them out. But they're they're just like.
1: There's just references, right? I mean,
0: I've never actually seen those
1: movies, but uh, the only one I actually saw was Not Another Teen Movie, which was pretty good. Not Another
0: Teen Movie is, because that one is, it's still playing it pretty straight. It's still just like a She's All That parody, and for the most part, it's, you know, it's doing it with a straight face.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also
0: the cast in that's really good. Like, Chris Evans is in that, and he's really funny in it.
1: (laughs) And, uh, and... Who else? It is there's a, there's uh, a really big, good
0: cast. Uh, Eric Christian Olsen, who was like playing college guys for like thirty years in there. <laughs> right. um, God, who else is in it? Uh, Mia Kirshner, she's in that's it. She's right. In the yeah, uh, yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar Cruel Intentions role. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Uh. But no I mean I never saw
1: but what I I remember seeing trailers and it all just sort of felt like oh okay here's this reference here's this popular movie reference oh here's this pop culture Yeah thing. they get
0: marketed in a in a different way uh in in like in they get marketed with the easiest laughs and so yeah. sometimes they like like um I would say one that falls under this umbrella is Hot Rod and Hot right. Rod yeah. is so good and it yeah. it, it was marketed with just like the easiest laughs from the script
1: Yeah yeah, that movie is great because it is, it is a character comedy, but with like absurdist stuff just in the margins. And, yeah. And, the, know.
0: the, uh, the new Weird Al movie. That, yeah. That, yeah, would, that, that one worked really well. Cause it's just yeah. like, it's so absurd, but it works because it's completely earnest about it. <laughs> you, you just, you have to be committed to like, you can almost never break and wink at the audience. The movie yeah. itself has to not seem like it's in on the joke. Yeah, because
1: the moment you do, it all the House of Cards tumbles.
0: Yeah, yeah, it stops. Yeah. Be it become. It starts to feel desperate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm 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 excited. I've never seen it. It's one of those like Christmas movies I've either never seen or never seen all the way through. Like, um, uh, Home Alone.
1: <laughs> really, you've never seen it all the way through.
0: I, I if I have, I I I do not remember it. I've not seen it all the way through there's some sh- I have some shameful holes in there, will.
1: I, I I don't think home alone is a shameful hole at all, but I, I will say considering that, uh,
0: how huge it was when we well, were younger. yeah,
1: that that I think is shocking, especially when we grew. It's not up that it's
0: not like it's like the greatest movie ever. It's just no. like how did I miss it? It was yeah. like a, a tsunami.
1: yeah, I mean, I remember seeing that in the theater and thinking it was the funniest thing I had ever seen. I mean, I was seven. but like, um, Katie and I watched it a couple years ago. And, like, the stuff that's, like, really funny, or the funny stuff, is only maybe 15 minutes of the whole movie.
0: <laughs> it's got, it's, it's, it's much more like uh it's it's a little sappier and sweeter than you sappier. remember it's you you yeah. forget that it's like got a heavy john williams score going on yeah
1: there. and it's it's really sappy and i didn't remember uh you know the the mother being such a big part of the movie like all i remember were like the funny stuff
0: yeah you like, get older and you and as you get older you appreciate Catherine o'hara more just yeah, in general
1: exactly. so. yeah so it was a very yeah it's yeah, a strange viewing experience because I was like, "This is just like slapstick hilarity, right?" The whole time, no, no, it's not.
0: because <laughs> it, it honestly, the violence that is being doled out to uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, it's one of those movies where you can play the game of, "Okay, okay, when have he- they died?" <laughs> like in Home Alone two, the first time they encounter uh, Kevin McAllister, he throws a brick off the top of a building and it hits Daniel Stern square in the forehead. Right, right. I'm like, oh, he's dead. He's dead for the rest of the movie. He's not alive anymore. Yeah, he, he, is died. Gone, He's yeah. like he has a cerebral hemorrhage and he dies. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's some, some ones in there. Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Top Gun. I've never <laughs> seen Top Gun all the way through, Will. I'm, I, I, I know, I, I'm I, handing I, in my man card. No, no,
1: no, no. I have never seen Top Gun at all until this year. So, you know. You could, there's still time. Oh, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm,
0: look, I'm, look, I'm about to become a dad. That's when I watch Top <laughs> That's Gun. That's when you have to watch
1: Top Gun. I'm it's, gonna, it's I'm gonna the rules.
0: hike up my pants, open up a beer, and watch <laughs> Top Gun.
1: <laughs> I mean, everyone says the sequel's really good, And so, tell uh,
0: my wife, honey, I think I want to become a pilot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> time to fly those planes. I want
0: to get a light plane, like Harrison Ford. <laughs>
1: and just crash it all the time just for fun. Just because. You're like, I'm going to be like Harrison Ford and crash yep. my plane.
0: Yeah. yeah, I guess I guess maybe he likes the new Indiana Jones because he didn't try to crash a plane for That's this That's right, time. he didn't. Yeah, he, didn't. he, maybe, he likes <laughs> Dial of Destiny.
1: He didn't want his foot to get broken either. So no, we'll see how <laughs> he
0: feels about Thunderbolts soon enough, I'm
1: sure. <laughs> well, now remember when we went... William lay... Hurt
0: played this part and he died. So <laughs> yeah. maybe I can...
1: Maybe I can finally... Remember when we went to Death see? Death clings
0: to me like a disease. <laughs>
1: do you remember when we went to see Expendables three and it was and we walked out and it was so clear that Harrison Ford just was like, "Yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not standing up."
0: No, it was. Yeah, he only took the part because he could spend the majority of the movie sitting down, yeah, and they could like, market he's... it as like, "Look, he's piloting something <laughs> again, like Han Solo." We were oh all my like, god it was so we, funny because he like we're also just like, like the... we all just saw him play Han solo again <laughs> I feel like that movie's hilarious because and I guess we'll get to Expendables 3 at some point in the distant future, but <laughs> that one is clearly like, okay, we want Arnold, Jet Lee, and Harrison Ford in the movie, but they are not they are, their schedules do not overlap with Stallone's and Jason Statham <laughs> at all. So we're gonna have this entire runner where they just show up and are gunning on the helicopter, the helicopter. So I'm like, so you got Jet Lee for the movie and he spends the whole movie sitting <laughs> down too. <laughs>
1: Oh, boy.
0: And then they sort of hint at the end of the movie that maybe he and Arnold are like dating. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's that's the movie I want. Now that's the movie I yeah. want to see. Arnold, Jet yeah. Lee, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith bickering couple of mercenaries. Hell, like, yeah,
1: I would buy like, a ticket first, first yeah, thing. Forget all night, of this I
0: other, mean, forget like Ronda Rousey and all yeah. of them. I want that. I want the like, <laughs> I want, that I want movie. the Nick and Nora Charles with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jet <laughs> <laughs> Lee.
1: I would pay all the money, all the money to see that. Yeah, it would be amazing.
0: That would, would be, be amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I think they'd do it too. I, I feel like would Arnold would go for Arnold's a sport. Yeah. He seems like yeah. he's always down for for fun. Jet Li might not. He doesn't seem to want
1: to do American movies no. anymore. But you uh, know. I can't imagine why. I mean, why? Why? They,
0: yeah, <laughs> humdinger scripts like Expendables three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Good times.
1: Good times.
0: But yes, so, next time around, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the third one. There's They went they went to Wally World, they went to Europe, and now they're coming home for the holidays.
1: And uh, I believe it is currently streaming on HBO Max.
0: Yes, so. it, is, it is streaming on HBO Max. It is about an hour and 37 minutes long, and I promise you neither of those factored into my decision to watch <laughs> it. <laughs> Our other option involved watching three movies, and I'm like, it's the holidays, and... Uh, well, you, I'm about to you, be've got about a lot to, you've got a lot have, on your plate right now. I have now. another uh project on the way soon enough <laughs> <laughs> but until then will um always a delight i I forgive you for lethal weapon three because you've made me watch worse uh, I but i I, I it... do love talking about this this dumb dumb cheese whiz content with you. <laughs>
1: As do I, Sam. And I will try, in my New Year's resolution, will be trying to pick better movies for us to watch.
0: Just, at the very least, let's try to avoid picking movies where, out of necessity... We feel compelled to condemn anti-Semitism after watching it. I mean, we That's do fair. condemn anti-Semitism, but I feel like it shouldn't have to come built in to the viewing experience. <laughs> That's fair. i, I will I We've, will do my level best. It's fine. We both got the, we got the two Mel Gibson movies out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I think that 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 clears the decks for other less problematic work in the future. Wait a minute, Sam. Is no, Bill I know he's in bad- Expendables 3, but we're not <laughs> watching Expendables 3 anytime soon. We are I'm not fine. watching Expendables 3 before Godfather 3 or Return of the <laughs> King or Star Trek 3.
1: Fair, all fair.
0: Did I freeze? <laughs> I I'm just I'm just ignoring you.
1: You're just ignoring me. All uh,
0: right. No, well. I could never ignore you, Will. You are, you are, uh, you are the reason I am getting too old for this shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, there it is. It, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, until next time, folks, have a great holiday season. Uh, uh Stay warm wherever you are, and uh, we will see you next time. And remember, grab the cat! Oh, right, they do save a cat they, in this movie. They save the cat in the oh, first s- scene. Yeah. Screenwriting 101. That's right. The cat didn't need to be there. The scene nope. didn't need to be there, but... They did it anyway. They did it anyway. (laughs) John McClane would never. He would never. he He would have just. Stayed outside. That's why he's. That's why he's the best action hero.
1: I, I feel like John McClane would have figured
0: out how to dis- disarm the bomb. He would have. He would have known which to fire the clip. He would have tried to just not be there. Like, <laughs> why am I left. here? Yeah. It's like I don't. He wouldn't have run into the building. With John the bomb. McClane yeah. spends <laughs> most of his movies trying to just get out of this situation. That's why I love John McClane. <laughs> he's over it. He's over it. Yeah. <laughs> so are we. Yeah. <laughs>